Hey everybody, I'm Anna McEwen. And now for Bob Switzer with the epic narrative. All right, welcome back. Uh, I don't know, you know, I was thinking about the last episode, it just seemed a little 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 slow to me. I don't know, maybe I don't I I, I hadn't been drinking. I was tired though. Yeah, at the time of this recording, we have a puppy that is technically, I think he's 13 weeks old. We've had, we've had him three weeks, or we're working on a third week. And last night was kind of a he's he's been doing good, honestly. He's 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 doing good. He's doing good. But last night was a rough night. But that seems to be the exception. And I, I'll tell you, I'm one of those morning people. Always, I just, I just have been my whole life, and. Uh, and so it is difficult. Like if I get up, if something wakes me up at from 3 a.m. on, it's difficult for me to go back to bed or sleep. I can lay there in bed, but my brain just starts to kick in. And and most of the time I, I end up, I'm like singing songs. They're usually worship songs. I just start singing songs and I and then I have to say, stop, stop it, stop it. And And I have this whole back and forth with Bob in my head. You know, like I do here on the microphone, but it's worse because, you know, it's, he's keeping me awake and I have to be like, you just stop singing. Then I think, what's wrong? It's just singing, just sing, you know, and then I roll over and then, and then like the, my temperature seems to be all over the place. I'm cold, I'm hot, I'm, I'm like almost sweaty and then I'm not. And then, and then I, you know, anyways, it just goes on and on. You don't need to know all about my, my life in that way. But just uh, the last episode, I was, I, I know I was tired when I did it. Now it's, you know, when I listen to it, it's like, Ugh. anyways, I guess we can't all have a hyper day every day. But I'll, I'll try and keep things moving along a little bit better today than we did last time. So we are in uh, Exodus 19. We are getting ready to, <laughs> I titled this one. Prepare to meet your maker. And that's really what, what this is about, right? That people have arrived at the mountain. They are filled with expectations, both real and un, uh, realistic and unrealistic, high and low, positive, negative. But they are together, and they come together. And, and Moses is coming back down the mountain. And he's coming with the invitation for everyone to come meet God, to come meet up with God. He, he is going, you know, he, his pattern is go up the mountain, talk with God, come down the mountain, talk with the people, go back up the mountain with the answer from the people, listen to God, come back down the mountain with the answer from God, and kind of work this back and forth. Why is he doing it this way? He's doing it this way because, because God is about to blow their minds and blow every... Every idea of how a God is supposed to act that that these people have ever known. This is this is how that I'm no I'm serious. <laughs> I'm being serious. He's blowing their minds. He's about to introduce himself to the people. This is unheard of. In the history of, of anthropology here, uh, well, okay, maybe not the history because that goes back to Adam and Eve and he introduced himself to them as well. But as far as, uh, uh, you know, 
literally speaking to everyone in the nation at the same time. This is unheard of. Gods don't do this. Gods, gods don't waste their time on little people. God speaks to important people like Pharaoh or the high priest or sometimes to his underlings, you know, the, the priests and priestesses. But God, God, a God, would not speak to all men at the same time. That would mean that all men were created equal and had equal value in the sight of God. What are the odds of that? This is huge. This is this is this is bizarre. This is unheard of. So, so God has this back and forth with Moses because he he knows that that the people are going to be brought into a new paradigm, something they had no clue about. This is one of those situations where where at some level you're like, okay, I'm I'm walking into a room, but I really have no idea what to expect and there's as as prepared as i might f- think i could be there's no way i'm prepared or that i feel prepared for what it, what is about to happen because i really don't know what's going to happen so moses comes down from the mountain god has given him the framework listen i want i want them all to be they're all going to be equal they're all going to be priests they're all going to bring other nations to me they're going to do so through example and through conversation they're going to they're going to remind the people of what i did to egypt that i gave them a way out i gave them an access to life and the egyptians didn't take it but that's on them i want them to remember that i am a god who protects who loves who is good and that if they interact with my words if uh, it's translated obey, if they obey, if if we grow in relationship, they will reap the benefits that are going to be natural because you reap what you sow in the kingdom of God and in, 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 in the creation of God. You reap what you sow. It's a, it's a what, what do they call it? A universal principle. And he's like, if they, if they obey, if they interact with me, if they relationally stay connected to me, they are going to be blessed out their minds. Out their minds are going to be blessed. So it's interesting. In all of that, this is what, you know, this is what Moses brings down the mountain. Listen, this is what God has for us. Prepare. So Moses went back, he summoned the elders of the people, and he set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. That's that's the that's all night. Okay, so so in verse 7, Moses brings the response back to God. The next morning is when he brings that back. Right, so I would imagine he comes. He comes down the mountain. We'll call it sunset. The elders greet him, meet him at his tent. They're like, "Hey, how to go?" Well, let me tell you. So he tells them all the things that the Lord has spoken to him. Let's say it takes four hours. I don't. I don't know. So then they go back to their people, and their people talk to their people. All the all the family heads of of all the families meet, and they hear what the elders have to say, and the elders. Tell them now you need to go back to your families and tell them what you you know what the Lord has said, but the the heads of the families would have given their answers and they said yes we will do what the Lord has said we're we're all in we're all in we're all in we're all in, 
So I'm guessing that sleeping that night must have been a little bit nutty for Moses. He must have been a little bit like, wow, like this is really happening. This is really happening. God is literally inviting us to be a nation under under God, to be a nation who follows him, who hears from him. They're about to have a crazy encounter with God. They are about to have a revelation of the people. And do they want it? Is this what they really want? Do they really want to follow God? So they had to make a choice. This is, this is another example of the freedom of God here. He is so committed to freedom that even though he has done, quote, all these things for the people, right? He, he protected them in Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt. He feeds them every morning. He feeds them every night. He waters, he brings water from rocks. Like he, he guides them. He shades them. He warms them. He, def, he, he, you know, uh, make, he makes ways where there is no ways. Like he does all of this for the, for the people that he loves, and yet he still gives them a choice to vote. He still says, listen, I just, you, you need to make this choice. You need to reap what you sow. Do you want me? Do you want to know me? Do you want to meet with me on the mountain? Do you want to hear what I have to say? Because, because what I'm offering you is that everyone is going to be treated with equal value in this kingdom. Everyone is going to have the opportunity to impact nations. Every one of you are part of the kingdom. Not subjects of the king, but part of the kingdom. It's 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 fascinating what they're what they're being offered. And the people said, yes, we're all in. So the next morning, right, the the he gets all the information. All the votes are counted. <laughs> All the votes were counted. No one was left behind. No one mailed theirs in. Everyone, <laughs> I'm sorry, so political. Bob, stop it. Okay, focus. So, um, we will do everything God says. Verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come down to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Mo then the Moses told the Lord what the people had said. So that implies that he went back up the mountain the next morning. And he reveals to the Lord, they voted yes. It's unanimous. Everybody said they want to meet with you, they want to, you know, they want to be your priests. They want to um, be, uh, you know, set apart that treasured possession. Uh, they they want to be be marked as a nation, as a holy nation. Uh, these are, you know, these are things that they're all agreeing to. They understand that this means they're going to be weird. They're going to be out there. They're going to be odd. They're not going to be the normal nation. Uh, that's following some some god that they you know build temples to and and whatever worship in whatever way that they worship. It's this is this is an odd request. Now, just so you know, uh, covenants between gods and their nations were not unusual. Just just so you know that I I might get into that maybe a little bit later, but. Well, no, we'll get into it a little bit now. But, you know, sometimes people present this covenant between God and, and man as something unique. But, but most 
most every god that was worshipped by whatever nation had some sort of quote covenant that they had with the nations where you know if you you know if you follow me and and worship me i will bless you and you you know i will the rains will come and the and the crops will come and every every mom every woman will give birth and no babies will die like there's a lot of covenants between gods and nations and and gods and people just just so that you're mentally aware of that sometimes again we we for, we we read the bible and we get involved in these massive epic narratives and we think that the israelites are the pretty much the only organized nation on the planet and they're not and you know we speak about the covenant between god and the nation of israel and we think sometimes because we're narrow in our in our readings we somehow just uh in in inadvertently assume that this was a unique thing that god would make a covenant with men but most every nation knew that their gods had a covenant with them so this was what what god is asking for here from moses that the people have this covenant with him would not have been like a foreign language to them most gods had covenants with their nations the unique thing was was that this god wanted to speak to them this god wanted them to hear everything in verse 9 uh he says uh i'm coming down the mountain in a cloud i'm going to speak so that the people will hear me speaking they're going to understand i'm not i'm not speaking to you exclusively like i did yesterday i want them to hear me speaking to you and i want them to hear the words that i say to you so that so that they will always trust you and not fear you this was again a very unique interesting approach that God was taking and that the nation of Israel was experiencing in comparison to other nations around them. It was not unusual for their, quote, God, whatever gods they might have been worshiping, to speak to the leader of the nation. It was highly unusual that everyone in the nation would have the opportunity to hear what that, that God said and then, you know, be able to hear the leader repeat it and see if, see if he did it right. Because God's like, I want to build trust between you and the people. What is trust? Trust is a relational thing. Trust is a key element of love. You can't, you can't have a loving relationship if you don't trust each other. You you can't you can barely have a have a business relationship if you don't. There's, trust is so vital to every relational connection. God's like, I want them to trust you, not fear you. Why? Why would what 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 does fear do? Fear destroys every relationship. Fear often leads to some level of control or, or manifests in some level of control. And, and in that control and, in essence, from that root of fear, a relationship is destroyed. And I, I you know, we, 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 you and I, you could probably think through relationships that were destroyed because of fear. Entire businesses that have been destroyed because of fear. 
nations that have been destroyed because of fear, because people wanted to start control what was control what was going on, start start um, manipulating behavior out of coercion and manipulation and fear. And God says, I don't want that for you, Moses. So I'm going to come down in a cloud. I'm going to speak loud enough for them all to hear me so that when they hear you repeat my words, they know that they can trust you because they heard it as well. God literally is setting up, this is what he wants for the entire, shall we say, law that comes down. The whole thing was supposed to be revealed to everybody so that everybody would interact with God in a special uh, in, in, in an equally valued way. So uh, he wanted, yeah, they want their trust, they want relationship, he wants no fear, no no form of of uh, coercion. And Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, verse 10, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow have them wash their clothes and be ready on the third day because that's, that is the day the Lord is going to come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the people. So he gives instructions for preparing for the encounter. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is God doing? What is God doing? Is this religion? Is this uh, some sort of behavioral requirement to be worthy of the presence of God to be worthy of the revelation from heaven. Why am I talking funny? I don't know. Just because I wanted to emphasize it, I think. No, it wasn't a specific accent. It was just weird. I'm just being weird. Relax. It's just, you can make it sound whatever you want. It's No, this is a fair question to ask because it sure does look like it. All of a sudden... The God who's not doesn't care about behavior or or you know your of who you know whatever you've done, he's always there for you. All of a sudden he wants everybody to wash their clothes. And he gives them two days to get all cleaned up. I I mean this is this is interesting. So I think well uh let's keep reading. Let's yeah. Let's keep reading because there's more. There's more where those where those requirements come from. There's more. Verse twelve. Put limits on the people around the mountain and tell them: be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch it with your foot. Whoever touches the mountain is going to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on on them. No animal or person shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then they can come to the mountain. So after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people and consecrated, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day and abstain from sexual relations. Whoa, wait, 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 who, where did that one come from? That, that one seemed kind of weird to me. All right. So these are written they are written in a way that it certainly looks like God is threatening to kill anyone who disobeys his rules. And one of the rules is don't touch the mountain. Don't you touch the mountain. Don't you touch it. Don't touch it. I feel like I'm talking to my puppy. No, no, stop it. Stop it. Right? As You can see it. I don't know, man. The puppy gets a look in his eye and you know he's going to do something naughty. 
And he knows he's going to do something naughty. And he just looks at you, and he's so stinking cute. And he looks at you, and you know he's going to start chewing on your shoe. And it's like, don't do it. So Kappa, stop it. Stop it. And sure enough, that little bugger, he'll grab that shoe and run. Just knows what he's doing wrong. So, yeah, it's kind of written like that, right? Don't touch that mountain. Don't you touch that mountain. Don't you even touch it with your foot. Stone you. Shoot you with arrows. Leave you there to be eaten by birds. No one's going to touch you. No, no, I'm not even going to let your dogs up here. You let your dog up here. I'll kill your dog. I'll kill everybody. <laughs> he says, you better be clean. Wash your bodies. Wash your clothes. You know, get those Sunday go to meet and clothes on. And when there's a long horn blow, then you can get up close. But don't you come close till then. Don't you come up here. Don't you come up here. Then I think Moses adds the whole no, no sex part. I, I, I <laughs> oh man, I do, and I, I just do. I think he throws that in. I think I think Moses throws in a lot of this stuff because Moses looks at his people and he goes, "Man, they they if if I give them too much freedom, they they're gonna they're gonna do something stupid like run up the mountain." I I don't I don't think we got it. I don't think everybody should be running up the mountain. So who puts the death penalty on here? I I don't think God does. You know that. You you know that. You know that in my core. God doesn't do those kind of threats. I think I think a pharaoh does. I think people who are in a hierarchy mind hierarchical mindset does and I don't think Moses is perfect and I think Moses was like let's uh let's make this really clear because I imagine the one of the first questions a slave mentality would ask is well what what's going to happen to me if I do? And Moses went right for the juggler, or right for the throat, I should say. He was like, you'll die. That's what will happen. Don't touch the mountain. Wait for the, don't, and listen, don't even show up at the mountain until the horn blows. I don't want anybody like camping out there or whatever. Like, just, just stay in your tent. Everybody, you know, take a bath, clean your clothes, Stay in your tent. Wait for the horn to blow. Is that you know? Is it that difficult? <laughs> I mean, do you know that there are people that are already thinking, huh, "What? Well, what if I? What if I don't?" Because there's always somebody who does it. I ran youth camps, you know, for years, and I loved running youth camp. I just did. I just did. They just campers are so much fun. But every time we played a game, every time there was. There is just a segment of people, not just one kid, but usually there's several who just have this mentality of, but what can I get away with? How can I, you know, if I can obey, if they didn't cover every option when they said, don't do certain things, then I must be able to do certain things and I'll just figure that out. And so, you know, we learned as program directors how to cover every detail and so when I read this, I think Moses is kind of doing the same thing. He's like, okay, let me just make this clear. Don't don't come to the mountain till the horn blows. No, don't, okay, no, don't touch it. Don't touch it with your hand. Don't touch it with your feet. Don't let your dog on it. Well, what happens if I do? I, you're going to die. You're going you're gonna to be stoned or shot with an arrow. That's what's going to, okay, just don't touch the mountain. I don't know how else to make that clear. 
I mean, I, I don't know. I raised, uh, not I, sorry. We raised four children, right? And I can't tell you the number of times where I would I would look at my kids. Okay, don't touch each other. Don't touch each other with your hand. Don't touch each other with your elbow. Don't touch each other with your finger. Don't touch each other with the, with your head. Don't touch each other with your feet. Don't touch each other with your knees. Don't touch. Don't touch. Don't touch each other. Do you hear me? Do you understand what I'm saying? And one of them would inevitably, you know, realize I didn't say, you know, one one whatever, their knees or something, right? And they. I'd be like, dang it, stop it. I said, you know, don't touch, don't touch each other. How much more clearer do I have to be? So I kind of picture Moses being like that. Don't come to the mountain. Don't, you know what? Just don't touch, don't climb the mountain. Don't touch the mountain. Don't go near the mountain. I'm going to put up a boundary so you don't cross the cross that line because, you know, boundaries on mountains are kind of fuzzy, right? I mean, I, I've been around a lot of mountains and sometimes you just, you know, you're like, where, you can kind of see, it's it's interesting because the further away you are, it's like that's where the mountain starts. That's where the mountain ends. But when you get up close to it, it's like, wait, did I, I guess, am I at the edge? Did I start, I guess I kind of started going up, is that the mountain part or am I kind of on the slope leading up to the mountain? All that kind of stuff. So, so verse 16, uh, on the mountain, on the morning, on the mountain, on Go tell it on the mount. No, stop it. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder, lightning, and a thick cloud over the mountain, and the very trumpet blast, very loud trumpet blast. And everyone in the camp trembled, trembled. There's a there's a good uh, Negro, uh, old spiritual, I should say. Almost said uh, a word I don't think I'm allowed to say. I probably get arrested. Uh or at least shut down or something if I said it. But anyways, there's there's a spiritual something about trembling that's really good. Uh, I, lo- I loved loved learning those songs when I was in uh, high school because they always told stories. I will say that the spiritual s- songs, those old spiritual songs, told stories, and I I was very attracted to them, uh, which probably doesn't come as a surprise to you who would listen to me tell stories. Now, that's, that God, they've seen the cloud of God, right? The cloud of God has been around for... And they've seen the fire of God. They've, that's been around a long time. And I know that there are people who go to the Mount Sinai and they say, this is Mount Sinai. It's black on top because of the fire of God that descended upon it. And you can tell that it's Mount Sinai. And, and you know, it's that all looks really cool in a photograph until you take an aerial photo of that area, right? And then all the mountains are dark on the top because it's a certain type of rock that... that that's up there, and it's black. It's just funny to me, but Christians get sucked in really fast. They'll be like, oh, my God, it's true. The Bible's true. There's black rocks on top of Mount Sinai. We know that God descended because he burned all the rocks. You mean he burned all the rocks on every mountain in that whole region? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I just ruin your plans with, like, Basic details about geology in that area. Sorry about that. You just go right ahead. You go, I'm not saying it's not the mountain of God. Just don't look at the dark rocks and be like, that's the fire of God. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Once again, I didn't mean to ruin your life. Uh, if, if you were so excited to be near the mountain of God because it had black rocks on it. But if you drove through that area, you'd see there's black rocks on top of every mountain. So God puts on a show, right? He shows up 
This is this is this is uh, the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke, but lots of it and powerful. And everyone trembled. And then Moses led the people out of the camp. Remember, they all stayed in their camp. Stay in your tent. Don't not go near the mountain. Follow, you know what? Just follow me. When I go, you can follow me. But don't you get in front of me. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. They stood there. Why? Because he put a line in the sand. Because, <laughs> like I said, it had to get a little fuzzy. And you know, you know there were kids wanting to cross that line. You know, because there are people... There are people just made, I call them breakthrough. You know, they have that break breaker. We'll, call, we'll put it in Christianese. They have that breaker anointing. They see a line and say, let me cross it. And they, we need people like that because all of us would just be, you know, in our little comfortable box and be like, why, why cross the line? Why cross the line? There needs to be somebody who says, let's cross it. Let's figure it out. So many wonderful discoveries have been made because people are, there, there are people who are wired to cross the line. So you know there were people wanting to cross this line. They want to, don't, you'll die. You'll, I will kill you. <laughs> now, the people trembled anxiously, carefully. They're coming in. Their paradigm of God was being shaken. They were going to meet God, not just hear about them. And he was big and he was powerful. They knew that, but now they were seeing it. They were going to hear from God directly, not just be told what he, what he said. This was personal. This was scary. This was crazy. This was exciting. This was new. This was mind-blowing. It was also really loud. It said the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered to him. There was, there was a, I don't know if you've ever had a conversation Next to Niagara Falls. I, I don't know if, you know, you should go if you haven't ever been. It is so loud and yet so spectacular. It's so exciting and yet so scary. And it's so close. I can't tell you the number of times I stood there on, on the American side anyways, going, oh my goodness, like you could, it's, it's, it's right there. Like you could jump in, you, you could jump, you could jump in and go over the fall. You could jump in and go over the falls right now. This is exhilarating and scary. It was crazy and 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 mind blowing. It was awesome. And 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 I, I just think all of that's going on as God's talking with Moses. That was you get the general the general description there. Moses talked with God, God talked with Moses. Everybody has the opportunity to hear what's going on. Everybody. And it it's it's like talking to somebody next to the Niagara Falls. You, you can hear them, but you're yelling. And yet, even in yelling, there's still this constant roar of magnificent glory going on next to you. It had to be spectacular. It's amazing and terrifying. It's big and dangerous, yet... Yet everything God speaks, you hear joy and love and peace and hope because every breath of God comes from heaven and heaven is filled with love and joy and peace and hope. And his voice is loud and would shake you to the core, kind of like, you know, the, the really good bass at a concert 
not like so many churches that don't have good bases because they just they get nervous because people say it's too loud. But man, I I like to feel my you know my pants rattle. I like to feel my heartbeat get messed with when the bass is up high enough and the drums are are beating. Like that's the kind of thing that's going on here with the voice of God. It is it is terrifyingly wonderful. And it said, the Lord descended on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down, warn the people so that they don't force their way up through. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. So again, we kind of get overlap, right? He's kind of recovering what he's already covered before. He's already told the people not to come up. God's like, well, I want you to, let's, let's just make sure everybody's where they're supposed to be. Why would God want to make sure everybody's there? Because he wants them all to hear what he has to say. So Moses goes back down and he makes sure everybody is close enough to the mountain to hear what God has to say. Now, did Moses also warn them again? Probably because he's, he's nervous. He doesn't want people to do certain things. He wants to make sure that they get what they're supposed to get. I I think his heart is right. I really, really do. I just think he adds stuff to this. And, And in verse 23, Moses says to the Lord, the people cannot come up on the mountain because you already told us that, that they can't come up here. And we put a line around the mountain so that it will stay apart and they'll understand it as being separate. And the Lord said, go down, bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come to the top or he will, quote, break out against them. And Moses went down and, and told the people everything. So he's like, listen, go down, get your brother, come back. Why? Because God loves people. He wants more people. But he's like, let's, if everybody comes up, I'm going to break out against them. We all assume that means death. That's what we assume because that's the kind of God so many of us grew up with, a God who likes to kill people. But that word breakout is the same phrase that's used for giving of birth. It's, it's new. It's sudden. It's something you're not, even though you know it's coming, it's something you're not ready for. I, I tried, you know, I, well, we had four. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing being being pregnant. It's awesome knowing a child's coming, and yet it's terrifying because you have no idea what's coming. And we we love all of our children. They're all different, all of them. But you're still not ready for it. And when a birth comes, you know, when the it's sudden, it breaks out. It doesn't have to be violence. Occasionally this this phrase does mean violent. But it doesn't have to. I think, because I am, I I know, I come at this with my own with my own filters. That if they ran into the cloud, they would get hit with the love of God so hard that it would overwhelm them, and 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 some of them would never recover. And I think God understands that. He's like, Moses, you you and I have had encounters before. You can handle this. 
Bring Aaron up here. I want him to have it. I think he's ready for it. If the people run up here, they will be overwhelmed by my presence. It's going to hit them so hard. Because when my light hits the, you know, hits the darkness that they're carrying, the slavery mentality that they're still carrying, it, it, could, it could kill them. Because that's what the enemy's going to want to do. They're going to be so overwhelmed at the way that I see them in comparison to the way that they've described themselves and the lies that they believe about themselves, that some of them will decide to end it there. That's what, that's what happens. I, I've, I've had these conversations with people where you try to convince them how much God loves them, and they constantly are trying to convince you why God can't do that. God can't love me. And they come into an encounter with God's love. They come into it, whether it's at a concert or a or a prayer time, or just an interaction one-on-one on the street with somebody who is expressing to them how much God loves them, and they are overwhelmed. And the enemy slides up in there and says, see, you don't deserve any of this. You should just die. And he brings upon, they, yeah, he brings upon them a death sentence where God is bringing them a life sentence. And God's like, listen, I please, if they all run up here, I, I know what's going to happen. I know the possibility, the probabilities of all that's going to happen. And unfortunately, many of them are going to believe the lies that the enemy's been telling them about themselves for you know hundreds of years through their last several hundred years of, of heritage of being enslaved. And they're going to believe those lies over the truth that they encounter when they run up this mountain. So, so let's, let's just walk this out. I'm all about the journey. They can hear me. They can feel me. They can sense me. But if they get up here and meet me, it could, it could get crazy. Let's, let's pace this out. Let's walk this out. God is a God of process. And he's processing with his people how much he loves them. And he's processing with his people the, the radical concept that they can hear and interact with God, just like Moses, who, who I'm sure a lot of them put up on a pedestal. And, and a lot of them want to, you know, want Moses to be their king, to be their Pharaoh. And, and they're fighting a massive paradigm shift in people's minds. This is, this is a huge encounter, a huge encounter. And God knows it. And he knows they weren't, ready for total immersion at this point. But we will see how people respond next week on The Epic Narrative. Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob Thoughts. Hey, good morning out there, everybody. Well, at least it's morning here. Where I currently am recording, which is in my truck, headed to work. So again, sorry about some of the sound quality the last couple of weeks as I did it while at work and had to had to kind of speak softly. But anyway, just some thoughts. Uh, follow a little follow up. I am going to record with that podcast, rethinking God with tacos. Uh, I will be on their podcast. I'm going to record it the end of February, but 
it probably won't go up until sometime in March. I will post, uh, you know, on my uh, on my Instagram account, which is uh, Dad Switzer. Dad Switzer, if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, I'll post it on TikTok, which will be the Bob Switzer uh, on TikTok, and I'll post it on my Facebook page, which is just Bob Switzer. But um, I know that there's a lot of them, but you should be able to find me. Um, but anyways, Instagram, Dad Switzer, TikTok, the Bob Switzer, and Facebook. Just Bob Switzer. Anyway, on with the cons. Uh, on with some thoughts. I I wanted just again to touch on uh, the concept of covenant. I know that I know that a lot of Christians like to use the word because it means something more than just good connection. Or uh, they 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 understand. They understand at some level it's a deeper connection, but it, and it is. It really is. And when we talk about God making a covenant with a nation, my main point during the during this episode was to just say that every nation that had a God, whatever idol they might have worshipped, had a covenant with them. Now, whether you know it was made up or not is irrelevant. It it they, it was not an unusual thing for the nation of Israel to have a covenant with their God. Nobody would have thought that was odd. They would have expected it. And that was my point of the uh, during this episode. The other thing I wanted to just remind you is that covenant is really something that's based on character. It's, it's not something you can just decide on. It's not something that, you know, I, I, <laughs> I laugh. And sometimes when I'm, I'm around some wonderful people who love Jesus, I'm not taking that away, but, you know, they meet somebody for, you know, a, a weekend conference, or they spend a week with them, you know, somewhere, and they say, we are, we are covenant friends, we are, we have, you know, entered into covenant together. I literally had somebody who was a, a big Ohio State fan, and they, I, I, I you know, they invited me to watch a game with them, but they wanted me to sign a covenant that I would root for Ohio State. I, I literally, they wrote one out. They were like, you know, sign here. And the guy happened to be also happened to be a pastor, so he knew what what he was doing. He wanted a covenant with me. All that being said, I, I don't I don't see anything in the in the in the Middle Eastern culture. Especially at the time of the writing of, of the of the scriptures, that would have indicated that a covenant could have been something that was based on something on, on an experience that was that short lived. You usually entered into covenant after multiple other agreements that slowly would have built an understanding and a connection between you and whoever else you were you were signing with. And in that connection, you would have understood the character of not just the person, the individual, but the family that was behind that person. So there was there was a long heritage that you were looking at. And when you sign a covenant, it was usually for multi-generations. And it involved a much higher commitment as far as your resources. You could sign contracts 
and trade agreements and marketing agreements around lots of little things, uh, sometimes big things, sometimes multiple year things. And you would grow in connection. But to enter into covenant was a big deal because it involved basically or probably all of your resources would then be at the disposal of the other other party in in the covenant. And so their resources would also become yours, which is why it's so significant that when God made the covenant with Abraham and reiterated the co- covenant with Moses and you know or and Isaac and Jacob and he always makes it clear that he takes care of both ends of the covenant. In other words, he is the character that will that will bring the covenant to to its you know rightful uh, interactions because all of his resources and all of his character is on both ends of the covenant, which goes to another whole deal, and maybe we'll get into it some other time when it comes to people who believe, and I understand why, but that that believe that somehow God God was this maniacal killer in the first covenant and then Jesus came down and made a second covenant that somehow changed the character of God that now all of a sudden he's not a murderer he's an all loving beautiful wonderful gracious kind merciful gentle uh, meek God and my my basic concept that I work with is that can't be possible you can't change the character of somebody from one covenant to another. Uh, a second covenant do, does, you know, do away with the first covenant, but that phrase that's used, you know, to be done away with or annihilate is the idea that it's the second covenant takes over the first covenant. It doesn't erase it. It just expands it or uh, completes it. Uh extends it in such a way that the first covenant is completely swallowed up by the second covenant, but the character of those involved in the covenant hasn't changed. Hence, the second covenant can be expanded because the character is so trustworthy. Anyway, (laughs) I'm sorry. This is probably a little bit of a rant. I hope you guys have a great day, whether you're going to work or not. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.